All right, guys, today we want to look at a specific passage today from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And the reason why I want to discuss this passage, and it won't be a long discussion at all, but we want to look at it because when we look at today's not only just environment in our nation, but also the, the way that things are going on in the church, there is a need to address this issue. There is always, as a matter of fact, a need to keep this issue in front of the minds of people who call or claim themselves to be Christian, and that is the issue of sexual immorality. I hear a lot of things talked about in the church. I hear all types of foolishness of prosperity. Uh, I hear a lot of even other discussions, even good, good teachings that sometimes I hear. But rarely do I really hear anybody discussing the issue of sexual immorality. And it has become one of those subjects that is almost like taboo in a sense. That is an untouchable subject. To the point that I don't see too many pastors addressing the issue of the need and the command of God for sexual purity. But today we want to just look at a short passage um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to address that. And this deals with the issue of pornography in the sense that <laughs> sexual immorality. The word actually is porneia. <laughs> to the which we actually get the word pornography. And so we can also even imply this instance as well to avoid all such things. But as uh, the text will imply, it would deal with sexual immorality and the need of maintaining purity for the body. That is, when I say that, unless you are married, a man to a woman... No sexual contact is permissible uh, uh, in the law of God, in the law of Christ. You avoid sexual immorality. All right, enough of all of that. Let's just simply go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, and we're going to look at this passage in verses 12 through 20. Now, I'm not going to do my normal thing in teaching uh, through all of the issues of this text, but just simply address the main point that Paul is talking about. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Okay, so the first thing we see Paul doing is he is addressing one of those slogans that is used by the Corinthians in dealing with Christian liberty. And again, because I'm making this a short video, we don't want to get into all of what that uh, implies. But the sense of Christian liberty simply means freedom because we are not saved by what we do. That the, and, and our salvation depends completely and totally on the work of Christ. And this is true, but the point is it leaves us free to do what we want to do. And this is the idea of Christian liberty. And this statement was really uh, fornicated, if you'll let me say that, 
by the Corinthians, this belief that we are free to do with our bodies what we want to do. Why? Because we have been saved by Jesus Christ and there was nothing we can do to obtain our salvation. It was a grace given salvation. Wrong. And Paul opens this thing up with stating the point that it, uh, even though there may be things lawful for him to do, but nevertheless, nevertheless, he's not going to be brought under the power of the things. And that is what he's talking about here is the power of the desires of the body. And so he kind of gives a, a statement of example to the which the Corinthians themselves were making. Notice what he said. That food is for the body and the body is for food, but in the end, God would do away with all of this. And that is the Corinthians were saying, just like my body, when it gets hungry, I feed it with food. And so they were also saying too, what? So also my sexual urges, when they do arrive, or should I say arise, I will also satisfy my sexual urges. And so Paul deals with this wrongful mindset and says what? Number one, the way in which we uh, uh, attain our living, that is, we are uh, kept alive by eating a food. One day, this manner of being kept alive by the eating of food will be done away with. We won't live by food and also too he begins to stretch stretch further this example and talks about sexual immorality notice and in the same manner that you don't just simply satisfy your body with sex in like in the same manner that you satisfy yourself with food he says what concerning the body the body is not for immorality but it is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And I noticed that relationship that we have. The Lord himself is for our physical body. The unity that we have in our body is with the Lord. And what I really like about what this is saying is he, he breaks it down to talk about the physical body. Our physical body is made for the Lord. And even as he goes on down later on, he's going to talk about how this is the case. But the physical body is not made to be abused in sexual immorality. And here he uses the term porneia, which is a generic term for any and all kinds of sexual immorality. And if you want to find, for the most part, a good listing of that, you can turn to Leviticus chapters 18 as well as chapter 20. And that's a pretty good list that deals with sexual sins from the which we get the generic term porneia or sexual immorality. But his point is our body as people of God is designed for God and outside of marriage outside of marriage and marriage alone, our bodies are uniquely given to God. And even in marriage, even in marriage, the only thing is, as the book of Hebrews say, marriage is honorable in all things. And the bed of marriage is undefiled. But what does he continue to say? 
but all sexual immoral people, notice the instance that Paul is giving here, God will judge. But let's continue. So he says what? God has not only raised the Lord, but will all, who will also raise us up through his power. And that's, that's basically talking about the uniqueness of our body, the value of our body. Our body is something special and should not be used in an unholy and an ungodly way. And that ungodly way is what again? In sexual immorality. Then he says in verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. So let me just deal with this part. So notice what he says. Our bodies uniquely are what? The members of Christ. And even remember the whole point that he talks about here is the physical body. Our physical bodies constitute the members that which make up the full body of Christ. Remember Paul said in another place in the book of Ephesians, how Christ himself is the head and the rest of the body, the church of Jesus, we constitute that body. So he says, so if, if this is the case, our bodies are actually the members of Christ, then as Christ is holy and sanctified, so should the rest of his body be holy and sanctified. So he then brings in an argument in dealing with sexual immorality because during this time, one of the common ways of, of, of the sexual involvement with the Corinthians were going into uh, idol temples and the idol temples had prostitutes and these prostitutes would therefore engage in their uh, idol worship through sex, sexual immorality. So a thing that was common was for men to go into these temples and to engage with these prostitutes in these sexual acts. But the point that Paul is trying to make is even though he stated this, it is a generic point that deals with sexual immorality as a whole. So whether we, so we don't, we're not going to say, well, we don't have such sexual temples and now I have a, a partner, even though you're not married to him, it's my partner. And I just, the point of sexual immorality is what Paul is driving at. But his whole point is our bodies are sacred and members of Christ. And we don't just casually connect, have sexual relations with another individual. And he uses the strongest of Greek uh, uh, negation, megoite, which means may it never be, or sometimes it can be translated, God forbid. In other words, this thing of having sex with a person that you're not married to defiles the body of Christ and you are a member of that body. And notice he says, there is something unique that takes place when you have sex with another individual. There is a oneness 
in the flesh. There is a oneness in the body. And you can even understand that with the visualization of copulation itself. There's a oneness that begins to take place. And it, that oneness was designed for a man and his wife, that specific unity of the body and even in a spiritual context of a sense. So we always want to be careful with such things, or should I even dare say avoid it. Why? Because it brings you into a oneness, this sleeping with this individual that should not take place. But let me finish it. Verse 17, but he says what? But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. So notice, because we have been saved, we are joined to Christ Jesus, and therefore we have a unity with Christ. And as he is holy and sanctified, because we have been joined with Christ, we therefore should also, what, be holy and sanctify ourselves, even, what is the context here? our bodies. So what is his judgment concerning sexual immorality? Verse 18, flee immorality. Why? Every other sin a man commits is outside of the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God and that you are not your own for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. So he concludes this particular instance here and says what flee immorality. And I like the terminology that he uses when he says flee because it takes our minds back to the book of Genesis. And do you recall when Joseph was being tempted by the wife of Potiphar, when she urged him ever so strongly to have sexual relations with her? And what did Joseph have to do in the end? He ran away to the point that he tore himself out of his own clothing just to get out of that particular situation. And so what is Paul saying to us today concerning all manner of sexual sins, flee sexual immorality in all cases. Notice he says, why the uniqueness of sexual sins, what concerning all other sins, it is outside of the body. But when you commit sexual immorality, you are actually sinning against your own body. And then he says in verses number 19, what? Understand your body is unique. Our physical bodies, when we become believers in Christ Jesus, is made for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Think how wonderful that is for your physical human body to be a temple to the which the third person of the divine Trinity, God himself dwells in this physical body. Shall we therefore take the temple of God, the dwelling, this holy dwelling of God and do what? And prostitute our bodies in such a manner as what? Committing sexual immorality. So he says what? Concerning us, concerning the body that we have, what? 
When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus bought our bodies with his sufferings, with his own blood. And that's what he means when he says, for you have been bought with a price. Jesus purchased our bodies for himself. And therefore he says, glorify God with your physical body. And how do we glorify God with these physical bodies? In the context that Paul is speaking of, by fleeing sexual immorality. That is, if you ain't married, you ain't having no sex. All right, guys, thanks for joining with that. God bless you and God keep you. And remember that our bodies are sacred and that it, outside of marriage, it should never, we should never engage in any form of sexual immorality. Be blessed.